The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning, Park Church. My name is McKaylee. Um, Like I said, we're going to be reading from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 1 through 3. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. This is the word of the Lord. Park Church, it's good to see you all. My name is Neil. I am Director of Formation and Missions here at Park. And we are finishing up a little mini three-week series on helping us engage the new year. Now, what does it look like to, to build this thing called a rule of life, which may seem a little intimidating, uh, Joel did a good job last night or last week, uh, kind of walking us through that a little bit, and we're going to mine a little bit further into it. Next week, we begin the book of Matthew for like the next six years. <laughs> Not really, but maybe after talking to Gary. Uh, at least the next year and a half, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And we, so you guys may have seen like those spiral bound, like curriculum things that we've had through Exodus, we did it in Ephesians. Uh, feedback we've gotten, it's like, hey, this is helpful, thanks for doing it. It's a lot. And I feel like I'm carrying around a grad school textbook uh, everywhere I go. So we've kind of taken some of that feedback and also thought about what is the most helpful thing for us as a church to engage the Word of God as we go through the book of Matthew. And so props to J.D. and Sarah Rabb for doing a lot of work. We've got this as our new study journal. Kind of hard to see. Uh, Think more like moleskin study journal and less textbook from undergrad. Um, so it's, it's really pared down. It's going to be less content in there, uh, but still plenty of space to engage the text, the sermon, uh, questions for gospel community, questions to, to study a little bit further in the Word of God. Um, and so we're going to have those next week as we kick off Matthew. So I encourage you guys, grab one of those if you want to. We're asking for a suggested donation of $10, um, but please, it's more important that you guys have one uh, than you pay the $10 or whatever you have to offer. So please feel free. We just want to make sure whoever wants one and will utilize it for this next semester uh, has one of those. So that's next week. But we are finishing up the Rule of Life series this morning slash afternoon. Um, and I, yeah, I was struck with this. Uh, so I, I haven't been able to go to the gym for a little while. Traveling Midwest, going to, uh, or, and, then, and then I got the flu. So I come back from uh, traveling, seeing family, and then I get the flu. Even though I got the flu shot, like just for the record, 50% of the time that I've gotten the flu shot, I've gotten the flu. So I know there's like some great medical response for like it's a different, it's like a variation of the flu or whatever. You would have had it a lot worse. But all I know is of the two times that I've gotten the flu shot, 50% of those, <laughs> I got the flu. And that was two weeks ago. And so I was like down, like not feeling great at all. So haven't been able to, like it's just, Really healthy for me to get out, go for a run, go to the gym for a little bit. Finally able to go back last week, kind of. And if I'm able to go, if I can squeeze something in, that's like it's going to be early in the morning. And I'm just not used to a lot of people there. Um, it's like like maybe half a dozen of us high-fiving and saying, hey, here we are. I show up last Wednesday, and I'm like, there, there are cars everywhere. Like, this is, this is odd. And then I walk inside, and there's like these attempting at being happy grimaces on a lot of faces and like a lot of like new sweatbands and sneakers and gym shorts and like people that are you know kind of like posturing a little bit and they got their trainers and like really not happy I'm like oh 
it's January. Like, I'm going to see these people for the next few weeks, and I'll go back to just like a handful of people here. Um, but there's something in our culture, something in our society where there, we start a new year, we approach it, and there's, there's just kind of like this sense of, I need, to, I need to do something different with my life. I need to maybe change a few things, I need to make some resolutions, uh, make some commitments. Uh, there's kind of this buzz, this momentum around our culture. And as Christians, we don't want to just capitulate to whatever our society says. Like, oh, there's some fads, some excitement, some things, so let's go run after it. But at the same time, when we see things in our broader culture, we should probably pay attention. And chances are God actually speaks to it with much more truth and clarity and substance from his word in a way that can actually help us to follow him. And so that's what we're trying to do these first uh, three weeks of January and saying, and what does it look like to, to start building what's called a rule of life? How do we be, start to become a little more intentional about how we orient our lives around Jesus, around knowing him, knowing his love, walking with him, and then beginning to move out into the world with awareness and attentiveness and say, what are the practices that I want to establish in my life as I go about the different areas and domains and stewardships God has given to me intentionally? Actually thinking about it ahead of time and planning for that. And then going to do it with grace and we know we fail, but, but trying to, to walk with Jesus in the life that he's given to us. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning from the first three chapters, uh, or first three verses, sorry, not chapters, verses of Proverbs 16. But let's, let's pray together asking for God's help. Jesus, we thank you. Uh, thank you that you are, uh, you, you are God who has come to, to deliver us from burdens, not to, to add them on. And you're the God who humbled himself to enter into our narrative, our existence, our experience of reality. So that you may love us and usher us into something far greater. Into rest, into joy, into love. And so we want to we experience more of that, more of the life that you have for us. And, and we also want to be ushered into life alongside you. Uh, to, to, to faithfully steward and take responsibility for the, uh, the beautiful things that you've given to us in this life. The different vocations we have, the relationships that exist. To move out into the world with intentionality and wisdom and thoughtfulness. And so please help us this morning to, to even move slightly that direction. No matter where we're coming from, I just ask that we would we begin to think maybe a little bit differently or engage a little bit differently around our discipleship and following you. That would bear much fruit for the sake of, of your name and your glory. And for those of us who, who, feel, who feel burdened, maybe it's, it's kind of what we've experienced around the church or things have been communicated or just um, our own wiring, where we just feel like, man, I don't need more rules, I don't need more things to do. It's, it just feels crushing for my soul. I ask for grace for those of us that are in that place. That really would not, not, not see following you as being this, this list of, of things to, to accomplish so that we can become loved. But rather that, that love has been fully given, that rest has been completely offered to us. Without any hesitation, without any uh, kind of barriers to entry other than just coming to you. And then from that place, Jesus, I ask that we would begin to, to, to feel the freedom of obedience. 
the joy of walking with you and submitting to your word and thinking wisely and creatively about what that looks like for our specific lives and context. So please help us even now, Spirit. We, we need you. Uh, we need you to be convicted where that is uh, what we need. We, we need you to, uh, to, to feel the joy of being a son or a daughter of our good father. And we need you to work even now through your word uh, to bear much fruit, fruit amongst your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, philosophers will talk about three different layers of belief that we all have. Now, the first is our public belief. It's a thing that we want others to think we think. The others, we want others to believe we believe. And it's where virtue signaling comes in, right? It's like, hey, I want other people to think I have, like, this really strong ethical standard or this moral belief or about this political issue. Here's what I believe. So maybe we post on social media. Maybe we kind of throw out some different quotes at a party. Maybe we send an article to friends and family. Like, we're, we're signaling. We're, we're showing a public belief to other people that hopefully they think this about me. They think this is what I believe. We go to the next layer, which is our private belief. When we get to begin to get alone with our own thoughts, and, and this is often more of a mixed bag. Um, maybe it is really consistent with our public belief. Maybe there's like absolute integrity between what we actually believe, what we actually love, and what we show to the world around us. But a lot of times there's, there's some sort of difference between the two, right? Like we get honest with ourselves and it's like, yeah, I, I kind of believe those things, but it doesn't really impact my life. So maybe I don't really. It's like, yeah, I, I believe that or I know I should believe this or kind of operate this way. But, and I really want others to think that about me, to kind of have a certain reputation. But it's not, it's not entirely real, but it's kind of real. Like it's kind of true, usually true, some days true. There's often a difference there. But there's another layer of belief that I think we fail to recognize most of the time. And that's our actual belief. So no matter what we may think about what we believe, no matter what others may think about what we believe, there is a reality that runs through our lives. There's a particular logic and wisdom and set of priorities and values, things that we love and we want that actually find their way into our life. There's just no escaping it. What we love most, what we actually believe will give us the most joy, what we long for, it will impact our decisions, our priorities, our words, our thoughts, our relationships, all the things that we do, the structure of our days even, those are our actual beliefs. And so this is beginning to get on a question that I think is perhaps the most fundamental as a human person. What, what is it that we love? What is it we long for? What is it that we want? Uh, so often Jesus would, would approach people this way. What do you want? What are the things that, that your heart craves for that you believe are going to give you the most joy? And this is the first point this morning. What matters most is what our hearts most want. What matters most is what our hearts most want. Look with me uh, in Proverbs 16. If you guys close your Bible, I invite you to open it again, Proverbs 16. And look with me in verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. It's what, what's it saying is that as we, we take maybe like a general quick glance at our lives, we tend to think I, I'm more or less a decent human. Like I more or less kind of value and prioritize and love and long for 
at the, the things that I should. And, and so there, there's not a whole lot to be questioned there. My, my life is more or less pure, blameless, the way it should be. But God takes a different approach. And instead of just saying, like, here's kind of like a general assessment of what's going on, what you may think you believe about things, he's able to slice through all of that and begin to see what, what do you actually want? What do you actually love? Weighing the spirit, weighing the soul, weighing what we actually long for. Because this finds its way into the contours and every dimension of our life. Eventually and ultimately, what we love will find its way into all of our lives. That's why last week what Joel walked us through is so essential, so foundational. To come before Jesus, to establish practices and habits in our life that bring us before the throne of grace, that that bring us before the face of God, to to behold him in prayer and in scripture and taking time for rest and silence, to be with Jesus for direct engagement with the God who loves us, to cultivate that affection, to cultivate that love, to long for him, to know him, to know his love for us. We need those practices as followers of Jesus. Because our hearts are fickle. We get confused. We get drawn away. We must come back to Jesus again and again and again and be rooted in him. At the same time, there is more to life than spending time in direct engagement with Jesus. There's just more things that that we do in this life than what we may do for 15, 30, whatever minutes in the morning engaging with Jesus or taking a day of of Sabbath rest. And so, so we need to begin to think about What does it look like to walk with Jesus? Not just when I'm like with him directly and I feel his presence or I'm seeking to feel his presence in a really clear way. But when we're going about our our days at our jobs and in conversation with people and with our families and with our friends and making decisions and spending money and traveling. I remember my my wife and I when we were uh, approaching marriage, you know, people love to to give advice about things and which is great. Like advice is great. We would get a lot of, like, book titles thrown our way. And, like, well, we want to be good at marriage, so let's start, like, reading the books. And one of those recommended was The Five Love Languages. You know what I'm talking about? Little Gary Chapman came out in the 90s. Surprisingly, he's had, like, this really long shelf life. I don't know. Um, it's helpful. It's helpful. But don't buy it. Like, I will give you the cliff notes in about 13 seconds right after the service. I'll give it to you right now. It's basically saying, like, what ways do we give and receive love? And what ways do others give and receive love? And then how do we engage with one another with the currency that we kind of experience it? So we're reading through this and the five different languages. We're like, all right, we're going to become like multilingual, you know, like in these different languages. And we can do this marriage thing really well. Well, we came to one uh, that began to create a little tension in our relationship. And that was the the love language of quality time. Now, both of us were like, yeah. I want quality time. Like, I want full quality time. It's like high on my list. It's high on her list. Like, we want quality time. Began to realize we had very different definitions of what quality time was. We still see this play out in our, in our marriage. You know, married almost a decade now. Even over the past few weeks. Uh, we, we, we could spend an entire day together. We do lots of wonderful things and enjoy time, quality time together. And my wife will, will get to the end of the day and, and look at me and say, babe, I, I miss you. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to say, I miss you too. Like, I know that. Like, that, that's what my gut is telling me. 
But I'm like, I, I feel this, this kind of like weird jerk in the other direction. So I'm like, we just spent the last 14 hours together. <laughs> like, we had a great time playing with Everett, and we did some dishes, we did a house project, we went on a walk, like 32 other things. We, we had a great quality time together. Like, I, I love you. I, I love you, and I'm so thankful we don't have to miss each other right now because we're here. We've had all this great time together. And, and somehow that, like, doesn't resonate with her in the same way it does with me. And she says something about being too literal, and I don't know. Um, but realize, like, that, that is the difference between us when it comes to quality time. Like, Aaron is thinking face-to-face time. Like, it's, it's emotional. It's like, let's engage at a relational level. Like, what's going on in your life? What are you feeling? What are you thinking about? What do you care about? What are you praying for? Let's talk about these things so we can become unified and feel on the same page. Like, I, I totally agree that's, that's included in quality time. But when I think quality time, I'm like, we're, we're, we're doing stuff. Like, we're getting stuff done. It's side-by-side time. Like, we're accomplishing things. Total, total quality. But, so I don't know if that's like a dysfunction to my soul or what, but what I've come to realize is that we actually need both types of definitions of quality time. Like we, we need both in a relationship. Uh, you know, if all you have is the face-to-face time and you're just like looking at each other and talking, it's like you, be, you become that newly dating couple that they sacrifice bodily health and sleep so they can just like stare at each other. Like you know what I'm talking about and some of you are in that season right now. You're just like, we should probably eat dinner. Or we could just like look at each other for another couple hours and hang out. It's like, okay. Uh, it's great. Aaron and I were in that season years ago. It's like, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. Um, you you got to eat like at some point and sleep. But on the, on the flip side, if all we have is, hey, we're, we're efficient and we're accomplishing things, getting tasks done, and like we're just like doing stuff together, then you have this well-oiled robotic relationship that, really has the soul sucked out of it. There's no real intimacy or an enjoyment of one another. And so we, we need both in a healthy relationship. And the same thing is true in relationship with Jesus. We need enge- directly engaged time with Jesus to, to enjoy him and to know him, and to feel his love. And at the same time, we need to move out into the world in obedience, walking with him, having fruitful lives. Uh, It's fascinating to me in John 14 how Jesus finishes the conditional statement, if you love me. He does not say, if you love me, you will feel great feelings for me. Although that that is a necessary part of our relationship with him, right? To have affection stirred for him, to to delight in him, for our emotions to, uh, to be engaged with Jesus. That's very necessary. He also doesn't say, if you love me, you'll think great theological thoughts about me. Though also very foundational to our relationship with Jesus. We need to know who he is. Like what is his identity? What has he said? Who is this God that we serve? So both necessary, but not how he finishes that statement. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. You'll follow my commandments. You'll do the things that I say. You, you, You will listen to my words and submit yourself to them and move out into the world in obedience with me. And so because of that, because part of loving Jesus, part of walking with him, part of being a a disciple of Jesus is obedience, we need to intentionally plan aspects of our lives. That's my next point is that intentional planning is a part of our discipleship. Intentionally, attentively, consciously engaging our lives and thinking about how we plan the specifics and contours of our lives, that, that is a part of following Jesus. 
We don't just fall into holiness. We don't just fall into discipleship. Look with me in, at verse 3 of Proverbs 16. It says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So it's saying here that we're actually called to work. We're called to labor. We're called to add value. We're called to make plans. We're called to be thoughtful about the way that we, we do things as humans. Now, we do this committed to the Lord. Literally, this means rolled out or rolled up in trust, in faith to the Lord, to God. To, to commit that to the, to the Lord. But we're called to do work. We're called to do plans. And God, God actually says that as you commit your work and your plans to me, you'll get results. Now, that doesn't mean that we can kind of like control this system and just like if we do the right things and, you know, relationship with Jesus is the right kind of algorithm and if I can plug in the right numbers and, and do all the right things, then this is the kind of life that's going to be produced. No, he's saying as a general principle, as the way things work, the way he structured humanity is that when we submit ourselves to God, we, we come to him and commit ourselves, the work that we do, the, the thinking we do about our lives and the planning we do, he actually wants there to be results. He wants there to be fruitfulness in our lives that is thought about, that's designed, that's actually intentionally there because we've spent time considering it. You may have heard it said in the business or leadership worlds that, that every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting, which kind of makes sense when we think about it. But that, that's true for us in our life system as well. And so if we begin to think about what, what are the results that I'm getting in my life? Like what's being produced in my life? Maybe it's a, it's a low-grade anxiety. Maybe it's like a constant feeling of, of, of stress and, and like not getting enough done. It's like there, there's more things that I need to like fulfill and expectations upon me. And maybe it's just like gnawing anger that comes out in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's constant relational tension. Maybe it's discouragement, regular frustration. I just feeling insufficient. I mean, the, the things that all of us are feeling, chances are there's something about your life system, something about the, the way that you structure your, your days and your moments, the way you engage with Jesus and other people and, and kind of what you prioritize that is actually perfectly designed to get you precisely those results that you're getting right now. The trouble is we so often don't pay attention to that life system. And we just kind of fall into it. We fall into priorities because others, maybe they, they place some sort of expectation on us. Maybe there's this, this like felt angst from other people and so we just start like catering to that, whether it's at work or home or friendships or whatever else. And so our, our lives begin to get pulled in different directions that we don't, we don't even have a grid for saying no to things. Like some of you are bristling at the, the thought of even saying no to an invitation. It's like if I've been invited and I assume I like that person, like I'm going. Like we're doing all the things, Friday night, Saturday, like going to happen. Trouble is, like we don't have a grid for saying that there's some things I just need to say no to, to not be a part of. And maybe that's going to hurt some feelings. Maybe there's a conversation needs to come up later. Uh, but, but I'm a limited human being. And I've got to pay attention to, to what's being produced in my life, in my soul, with what's going on. I love this quote by Annie Dillard. She says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. A schedule defends from chaos and whim. 
It is a net for catching days. It is a scaffolding on which a worker can stand and labor with both hands at sections of time. So to expand that a little bit further, a rule of life is simply a way for us to get our hands on our purpose. Like what God has actually called us and wired us and, and built us and created us to be and to do in this life as humans who, who image him. And have, have been given callings you know, upon our lives. A rule of life is, is simply a way of getting at that intentionally. Now, you may hear rule of life and it's like that sounds daunting and massive and large and like confusing and maybe even legalistic. I don't really know. But it's really quite simple. It's frustrating to me when, when people take simple concepts and like write paragraph long definitions of them, which I found with rule of life as I've done more reading on it. It's like you, you don't need like a book to define rule of life. Like give me half a sentence and that'll be sufficient. Yeah, I've heard if you really understand something, you should be able to define it in simple terms. So, not saying I fully understand a rule of life, but gleaning from all the people who do, here's a best attempt at what a rule of life is. It's a set of intentional habits to guide our lives. A set of intentional habits, so things that we're, we're, we're trying to establish in our life with regularity, to guide our lives in a certain direction, to become certain types of people. And so, the desire for us is to, to begin pushing in this direction. Not to have necessarily this, this like perfect, beautiful, monastic rule of life that you know, checks out in all categories. But begin to consider our lives and think about what has God given me stewardship over? Where do I live my life? In what areas? In what domains? And then begin to ask questions about what God is calling us to for this next season that we could commit to to see if that may produce fruit in our lives. So what I want to do, get very practical, is give seven different domains of our lives. Now, I don't think this is like hits on all of them. There are ways you can nuance this differently. There's some overlap. And maybe you'll come up with 12. Maybe you can do it all in three. Awesome. I just want to give you a few different hooks to think about where do I live life? Like what kind of constitutes my days of being a human in this world? And then I want to ask a couple questions. Uh, to begin moving us toward uh, building a rule of life. So here are the seven different domains. First one, family or household. So if you're married, includes your spouse, you've got kids, kids, if you've got roommates, roommates, if you live with your parents, your parents, like, what is home base for you? Where, where is your home? Consider that environment, the relationships that exist there, uh, kind of things that take, take place there, the rhythms and the different habits within family and household. Second, Primary relationships. So moving beyond you know, what you would consider family home base and, and say, what, what are those other friendships? Maybe it's extended family. Uh, maybe it's people you're close with at work. Uh, maybe it's someone you're dating. Uh, what are those primary relationships that you have invested in, you want to invest in, uh, that you've been called to for this season? Number three, occupation or occupations. Uh, what what kind of demands most of your energy and attention and time throughout your waking hours in a, in a given week? Uh, you know, maybe it's a traditional job, maybe it's a couple jobs, maybe you're a student, um, maybe you're, you're staying home with kids, maybe you're doing a variety of different things right now. Like, like what, what are your occupations? What are the things that are, that are demanding and calling forth your energy, your attention, your time? Number four, the local church. So for many of us, it's Park Church. 
you have others, maybe you're visiting or you're still checking out churches, trying to figure out where you're going to land. But it's saying, how am I committed to, how am I involved in the local expression of God's universal church in the place that he's called me to for this current season? Number five, finances and possessions. So what, what has God given to you? Maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little, maybe it's somewhere in between. In terms of money and possessions. Like what do you have? What do you have at your disposal that you know, is considered your property, that you have stewardship over? And then think, begin to think about what are the things I do with those things. Number six, disposable time. So th- this would be the category of I, I don't have to be at work right now. No one in my family or whatever else is demanding my time or attention. Um, it's just time that I get to decide. Maybe it's a Saturday, maybe it's a Monday evening, maybe it's a Sunday afternoon. What are we committing ourselves to then? Like how are we using that time that, that is not already kind of preset for us? And then last, number seven, people who don't love Jesus. So for those of us in this room that, that, are, that are Christians, that know the love of God, that, that have been, been ushered into his joy and his life and his rest, uh, what are our relationships like with those that, that don't know that love, that don't know that freedom? Uh, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's family members. Uh, it could be a variety of different contexts. But what, what do my relationships and engagement look like with those who do not yet know the love of Jesus? So those are seven domains to, to start getting our minds around where we do life. Then here are a couple questions to ask within that. First one is this, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming in this domain? Who, who am I becoming at work or with my family or in my downtime and recreation? Like what is being produced? And, and kind of the, the part two of that question is who am I called to be becoming? Who do I want to be becoming? What, what, what does God want me to be becoming in this context, in this domain? It's one of the, I think, harder questions but really most profound for us to ask. To recognize that, that you know, we make our decisions we set our habits, we kind of set the structure of our days. And then as we do those things, those things begin to form us. They form back on us. They make us in a sense. And so what is being produced? What is coming out? What is this good fruit, bad fruit, somewhere in between? Where does it fall? And then beginning to set a vision for that domain. Who does God want me to be, become? And then the second question is, what commitments am I willing to make? What, what commitments will I make in this next season of my life to, to really push into that vision, to who God has called us to, to be and to grow into? And what, what habits or practices or disciplines, it doesn't have to be large or grandiose, it doesn't have to be a lot of different things. It's like, what are the things that I'm, I'm going to start to commit to and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for the next quarter. I'm going to do that for the next six months. I'm going to do that for the next year. Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend going too much beyond a year, because um, the goal is not the thing. The goal is the fruit that it produces. Like Jesus producing love in us as we come closer to him and then engage life in ways that represent him faithfully. And so if something is not working, like don't do it. Like we don't, we don't, we're not bound by that. We're creating a rule of life not to become this like burdensome set of to-dos, but rather we're saying, What's going to become this like trellis that, that the vine of the life that God has given to me can actually flourish and thrive and grow in ways that it, it couldn't otherwise? And so if the trellis isn't working, if, if the, the structure isn't working, then we find a new one. We find a different way to engage it. So, so try it for a while, reevaluate, 
and then come back to it. So I want to give a handful of examples just to start to get our, our minds churning a little bit about what it could look like in different domains. Uh, one that, that we're thinking critically about as a family, you know, we've, we, we try to prioritize mealtime. I say, all right, we're going to, as long as we're, we're around, like we're going to do meals at the table around the fam- with the family uh, unless something else is going on. Um, that's just kind of like mainstay for us. Well, we're trying to think more about like what are we doing with that time? Uh, how are we investing in one another relationally? Is there, you know, a little bit of, you know, we're starting to do the New City Catechism, just like some questions in converse, kind of built into conversation um, with our son. And it's like, wh- what are we doing with that space? And so as you think about food in your home and mealtime, like what are some things you maybe want to push into? Maybe it's meals with roommates once a week, a couple times a week. Maybe it's, it's trying to do at least half the time meals as a family around the dinner table. Maybe it's thinking about the types of conversations to be a little more intentional what happens around the table. Um, second, another one we're, we're pushing into right now. Um, I realized that when I would get our son ever, he's, he just turned two a couple weeks ago. When I get him up in the morning, you know, if I didn't have an early meeting, go get him, get ready. As soon as he popped up out of the crib, he's going play, 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 play. And I'm like, the sins of the father. This is terrible. Like I wake up and I'm like, work, 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 work. Like what can I go accomplish? It's like this is his form of work. Is this going to play? I'm like, okay. Generational sins can stop. So let's, let's work on this. Like what, what are ways that we can kind of curb the affections in a different way? And realize that a lot of times I would get up before my son would, spend time with Jesus, and then get him up and he's like, go play. And it's like, great, all right, let's go play. And then we'll get some breakfast going and get the day going. It's like I'm, I'm not cultivating the right kind of like, liturgy and space in his life that when he wakes up, he's thinking, I, I go to Jesus. Like I want time with Jesus. And so, I, yes, I, I need time just by myself with Jesus. That, that's not going to change. But also, Aaron and I are starting to think about how, how do we create a little space, like first thing whenever it gets up, we spend time with Jesus. There's like, hey, look, you, know, you, you can sit on our lap, you can read what we're reading, you can you know, pray with us, you can read your own Bible, you can sit on the floor, like whatever you want to do. Like, we're just not going to run to start our day, we're just going to pause and be with Jesus for a little bit. And day one when I started this a couple weeks ago, um, <laughs> he's like, no Bible, no Jesus, no Bible, no Jesus. I'm like... <laughs> This is not going well. Like I'm embarrassed as a father and a pastor and all the things. This is not good. Um, but I'm like, try, I was like, okay, I'm not going to create this curmudgeon experience where it's like, no, you will love the Bible and you will talk to Jesus. It's like, not going to do that. So like, okay, buddy, like this is what daddy's going to do. Like you can do something different if you want, but this is what, this is what mommy and daddy like to do in the morning. And, and so slowly it's starting to catch on a little bit. Um, still sometimes he'll like hit the Bible and be like, no. It's like I want to go do something different. Uh, so we're working on that. He's still too and unregenerate, but so there's time. Um, but, but maybe there's, there's creating space in your life to invite. If you have kids, like inviting your kids into something that's going to start establishing a liturgy that will produce fruit for, for literally decades to come. Like that, that, that's where I was convicted. It's like I'm, I'm allowing a certain liturgy to be built in my son's life right now that is not going to produce the kind of fruit I want now, a year from now, 20 years from now. Is there something different that we can do? All right, I'm going to move a little more quickly. Uh, another idea. Maybe it's scheduling a weekly phone call with somebody or once a month or once every couple of weeks with a family member, a friend, some, a mentor, someone you want to connect with a little bit more. Um, 
you know, creating that space for conversation. Maybe it's a breath prayer before meetings at work or a hard conversation or stepping into a, a particular project that you have to present. A breath prayer is, you know, like a two or three second prayer that's been pre-established that helps to, to just reorient us in the moment around Jesus, around our identity in him, and then to move forward. And so you, this can be anything. You can look up different ideas. I'm going to be as simple as, Jesus, I need you. Lord, please meet me here right now. Spirit, please give me the words to say. Uh, I am yours, you are mine. You are with me now. It, it can be anything that you create. I've, I've had different ones I've used. And they run their course for several weeks and then, and then another one comes up. But it, it's like, what is a breath prayer you can establish that you return to over and over? Um, another one that's, uh, that's similar that I think it can really help if, if you have a job that is not at home or maybe you are at home but you, you kind of re-engage the family afterward but you're, you're traveling from a place to come back and re-engage family or roommates, what, what's a way of, of recentering yourself on Jesus before stepping back in? I, I know for me there's a certain corner that I hit, two different corners depending on which way I'm coming home. And it's like that will trigger for me to, to, to say a prayer and to, to begin to get my heart in the right place to go engage my wife and my son. Because I, I've got maybe some anxiety about something that's going on or like some stress about something that's not quite done or I'm frustrated about a conversation that I had or like whatever, things are on my mind. My heart's in a lot of different places. And it's like I'm called to care about work. I'm also cared, called to be caring and loving and present with my family. And, and, and my emphasis has to shift now that I'm going home. And, and so some sort of prayer, just asking Jesus to help me to be present with my family, to, to love them, to care for them. And that, that's a practice that actually frees me up to slowly move in the right direction. It's still hard a lot of times to shed that from work, but beginning to orient my mind and my heart around the right things. Uh, another one would be maybe it's serving somewhere, committing to, to volunteer or serving, whether it's here at church or... Uh, maybe it's with a certain organization or ministry or with your neighborhood. Finding some way to give of your time and energy with some sort of regularity. Um, here's another one. We've talked a decent amount about rest and Sabbath and the need to just like be in the presence of God. Well, one, one that can be really challenging, I think, is, is approaching the Sabbath as, okay, here's the one day out of the week that I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm going to be an enjoyer of what God has given to me. I'm, I'm going to practice gratitude by disciplining myself and saying, I'm, I'm not going to run Amazon and order something. I, I'm not going to go shopping. Uh, I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm not going to buy things. Not that buying things are, is bad. Like, we need that. It's important. We should do those things. I'm saying, I've got six days for that. I'm going to take one day to be one who enjoys God's creation and his bountiful gifts in my life, whether they're relational or physical things or whatever, and to not just be like, oh, I need more. I need, I need to, to kind of add to what I already have. To take one day to just enjoy. Maybe it's something around simplicity, giving things away. Maybe it's something around hospitality. Instead, I, I want to invite people into our home around meals or, or different other time together with some sort of consistency. Maybe it's committing to reading a book a month or a quarter or a week or wherever you're at. Saying, I, I want to discipline my mind around certain truths and certain things to think about. Uh, maybe it's a new workout schedule to try for the next quarter. Maybe it's setting a budget in a certain area of your life. Maybe it's like, hey, I, I love recreation. I love traveling and being outdoors and skiing. And I love all these things. It's like, those are good. But I'm seeing it form something in my life. Like I'm becoming someone who's just like 
insatiable. Like, I always need the next, next experience. I'm always like, what's the next trip? Book, book the next flight? Like, what's the next thing that I can go do? Maybe setting some parameters, either financial or with time, and saying, I'm going to enjoy these good gifts, but in this way, along these lines. And for the next season, I'm going I'm to allow myself to be disciplined uh, when it comes to that. Maybe it's praying daily for someone that you know doesn't love Jesus, or praying for someone who's going through a lot of suffering right now or difficulty. Now, this is just a handful of examples of what it could look like as you begin to think about what habits, what things do I want to establish in my life for this next season. Well, of course, one glaring danger for us is that we put too much confidence in our plans, right? It's like it's important, it's necessary, God calls us to plan, and yet we control so far less than we think. Jesus is the one who, who reigns over our lives. Look with me in verse 1 of Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. This proverb just like fascinates me, and it's so true. But it's saying that you know, you, you've thought about the conversation, how it's going to go, you've kind of mapped it out. Maybe it's around some conflict you're trying to resolve or some frustration or something at work. But then you get there and the actual words that come out, they're not according to plan. You're like, oh, this is not good. Like, this is not going the way I want it to. It's like we, we don't really control as much as we think. Or maybe on the positive side, it's like I was not ready for that interview. Like I, my resume should not even gotten me an interview, but somehow I'm sitting in this chair and then it went amazingly. Like I, I don't know where the words came from. Like I'm just like saying the right things and like things are clicking and making sense. Now, we, we don't control as much as we think, as much as we try to plan and get our hands on. Jesus is the one who reigns over our lives. And so th- th- there's nothing that we should say this morning that, that should convince us. It's like, man, if I, if I can just like get my mind around my life and my priorities and like plan differently and do different things, then, then all will be well. It's just not true. Our confidence is in Jesus. But this Jesus calls us to be faithful and to steward and to be wise with how we live our lives. But I was, I was reminded uh, even just a couple weeks ago how little I control. We were gone in the Midwest for a week and then come back and had a full day of work. And then the next day I did something to my back, like under my shoulder blade, where I, I mean, I, like almost to the point where I couldn't breathe. Like I could hardly talk. My wife, <laughs> my wife was like trying to be gracious but also laughing at me. And I'm like, then I start laughing and I'm like, I know this is funny later, it is not funny now. Like, it hurts worse when you're asking. She's like, well, maybe if you, like, lay on the floor and put something underneath it. So I'm, like, laying on the floor, and I legitimately cannot get up, and I'm in worse pain. So that was my Friday. Maybe have her son's birthday party, and then I get the flu, which I got the flu shot. I, got, I already said that. But I got the flu shot. I did the thing that I was supposed to do, and I got the flu. And it just, like, laid me up for over a week. And so, for, I mean, one day, I was so delirious. Like, I'm, one day I'm just, like, crawling to the couch, laying under multiple blankets, shivering, and, you know, all I could do is watch Jack Ryan season two. And I'm, like, in and out of, like, is this real? I, this is real. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's like, I, I, was, I was out. So all the plans that I had made for this upcoming year, which I'm, I'm like, in the freakish category of let's strategize, let's think about the new things that are going to happen. And I was, like, I was gearing up for this new year, and I've got my weird little full-focus planner by Michael Hyatt, which I highly endorse, but it's only for a small sliver of strange humans. I've convinced two of our staff members so far to do it. Where's Gary? Gary, yes, he's on board. Highly recommend it. 
but it, it's kind of like in the weird, marginalized section of humanity that actually likes this stuff. But that's me. Like, I'm approaching the new year, and then I can do nothing. All the things that I'm trying to implement and, and run with, I, I couldn't even think straight. And, and trying to, like, meet deadlines here, it's like it's not happening. And so had to be, had to come face-to-face -face with the fact that, oh, Jesus is the one who controls my life. Like, Jesus is the one who controls my plans, and, and it's okay. Like, it's okay that I establish these new, new habits that I still have not implemented for the new year. Uh, and it's okay if I don't get to them. And some of them I will get to. And maybe they're going to tweak a little bit. And God is teaching me things through this. And so our confidence cannot be in plans. They are in Jesus. Let's rest in him, rest in the fact that he is the God who loves us. And if we put our confidence in our plans, we really miss the whole point anyway. Right, there's this sweet invitation, and if you guys want to flip over to Matthew 11, I want to read what's often called the, the great invitation. Out of Matthew 11, starting verse 28. Where Jesus helps us to, to situate our lives in relationship to him, to the, the work that we do, the labor that we do. What does it look like to, to know him and to walk with him in it? Matthew 11, verse 28. He says this, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the invitation that Jesus gives us is saying, hey, don't, don't craft all these plans and make all these commitments and do all these things and thinking that you're going to earn something. That you're going to finally be okay and finally find rest and finally be loved and finally be enough in front of other people or in front of God. He's saying, no, the, the invitation is to come to me. Like set aside those burdens you feel, the, the labor that you're trying to, uh, to earn with. Like just come to me, set those things aside and, and experience the rest and the joy and the fullness of life that I, I offer to you. So come to me, rest in me, and then take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke is what animals would wear. There'd be two animals side by side and be around their necks so we'd keep them in step with one another, laboring side by side, you know, tilling soil or pulling a cart or doing some sort of work. So Jesus is not saying, hey, come to me, find rest, and be passive. He didn't say, hey, come to me and don't have these same burdens as you had before and, and just kind of like let your life unfold however. No, he says, come to me, experience rest, experience joy, know the fullness that I provide for you, and be yoked to me. And there is good work, there's good labor to be done that's going to lead to fruitfulness. But it comes from, it emerges from this place of knowing whose we are in Jesus, that we don't need to earn before him. We don't need to, to be enough or accomplish enough. And so wherever we're starting, wherever we're at this morning, if you're like, I've got a decent handle on my life right now, or it's like, I, I've never thought about these things before. Like, it's okay. Like, Jesus invites us to, to join him, to be known by him, to be loved by him. And, and he's not shaming us or condemning us. He's not frustrated with us or disappointed in us. He's saying, no, come, come to me and enjoy the life that I have provided for you. So from that place, I want to create just a few minutes for us to begin thinking about these different domains of our life. To begin thinking about how, how do I want to... Be a little more intentional. How do I want to begin crafting a rule of life, a set of intentional habits uh, to guide our lives for the sake of fruitfulness? And there's the, what's called the, the law of diminishing intent um, that says that the longer you wait to do something, the less likely it is you'll actually do it. 
And so the, the goal is, if there's any, like, whisper of energy or excitement or, like, hey, that might sound kind of cool or, like, maybe that's something I could work on, it's, the goal is to, to harness that, like, lay hold of some of that momentum and then do something with it. Put pen to paper, maybe you schedule a, a block of time over the next week or two to think about these things. Like, do something to begin intentionally engaging this process of trying to plan our lives for the sake of glorifying Jesus. Um, so just a, a quick refresher we've been over the past few weeks, and then I want to create this space. Uh, two Sundays ago, Gary basically pulled back the curtain on our age of distraction. He said, we're, we're so distracted, our attention is pulled in so many different directions, that we're not even aware of what's going on in our lives. And so we, we, we sent out uh, a few days after that what's, what, what we've termed a liturgical audit. They're just saying, like, let's assess what's actually happening in our lives. Where do we give our moments and our days? Like, what's actually happening to become aware of those things? And then last week, Joel walked us through, you know, how do we, we kind of move a little bit forward in engaging Jesus through regular rhythms and practices to know his love, to enjoy his love, and to cultivate a greater love for him. And so what, what practices or habits are you establishing? And then for this morning, uh, those seven domains, th thinking through the different areas of your life, even just like listing those out. And saying, who am I becoming? Who does God want me to be become, to, to become and to, to be formed into? Like, what kind of human? And then what commitments will I make for this next season? Like, what habits or disciplines will I commit to? And so I want to I pray for us. And then band's going to play in the background and just have a few minutes to, to, to literally, I, I encourage you to pull out pen and paper or pull out your phone and schedule a slot or jot down some notes in your phone. Like wherever, whatever it looks like for you, begin doing something in that direction uh, to be thoughtful around it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you, you have given us rest. You've not given us a burdensome set of rules so that we can we can be good enough and, and kind of measure up to, to some standard that's set out there. Uh, but rather, you've invited us into rest for our souls, that we don't need to prove anything, we don't need to hide anything, we don't need to fear anything, but we are seen and we are loved and we're able to come to you, to our Father, be filled by the Spirit, to know that love, and then from that place be ushered into the joy of obedience. Uh, to begin being yoked to you in, in such a beautiful, powerful way that produces fruit in our lives, that, that glorifies your name, that, that actually is beneficial to other people, that brings peace and comfort and healing to our own lives. And so I ask for, for all of us even now, even in the next few minutes, the coming weeks, that we would, we would have the kind of mental space, the schedule space to to think about these things, to, to intentionally engage in the ways that, that you want us to. So please help us. Um, all of our plans, all of our attempts at, at designing something, they're, they're futile unless you work in them, unless they're of you, unless they come from you, unless they're rooted in the soil of your love, unless you're the one that, that's giving us the wisdom and the guidance in it. So we ask for that. We, we need you uh, to guide us in it. So please help us even now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.